So Nick, I'm really glad we had the OBG project to refer to when we made this HS episode. Yeah, you know, and actually I would even go back to say with cholestasis and with so many of our other episodes, the OBG project is like a great place to start to get the quick summary. And then they even have additional reading for us or for our listeners to dive into the topic further. Absolutely. Um, and so if you also are part of their subscription service, OBG First, you can also create your own bookshelf so that you can have your articles to go back to. They'll also send you emails and things like that about the latest journal articles and findings so that you're always up to date on the most recent literature. If you're a chief resident, you can actually get OBG First for absolutely free for one whole year. Head on over to our website, creogsovercoffee.com. Check out the sidebar. There's a link where you can get signed up for OBG First. All right, guys, welcome back. This is Faye. This is Nick. And this is Creogs Over Coffee. Coffee. Today, we're going to be doing a very exciting topic. We're going to be talking about hydradenitis superativa. Um, So Nick, what are our learning objectives? For today, we'll first learn how to recognize and diagnose hydradenitis superativa, or HS as it might be abbreviated. Next, we'll discuss the Hurley staging system for HS. And then finally, we'll understand the management, both medical and surgical for HS. Quick disclaimer, as you all know already, we are not dermatologists, um, No, but hydradenitis superativa does affect a lot of people that are our patients, and so we feel like this is an important topic to discuss. So Faye, what is HS? Yeah, so HS is a chronic recurrent inflammatory disease of the apocrine sweat glands. Um, it can also be sometimes referred to as acne inversa, so you may have heard that or seen that in textbooks. And usually this occurs um, in the axillae, the groin, the genitals, um, the perineum, buttocks, and inframammary areas. Women tend to be more affected than men, um, and in fact, the prevalence is somewhere between 1% to 4%, depending on what studies you look at. The onset is usually between puberty to about 40 years of age, um, but for most people, it will occur in the second or third decade of life. And the reason we care is that this disease can cause significant pain and issues with scarring. And as you can imagine, this can also have a huge impact on self-esteem and quality of life issues if the disease becomes severe and can affect people um, definitely in that way. So it's really important to diagnose and treat hydradenitis superativa early on just because as it progresses through its staging, um, it's going to become much harder to control. And of course, very rarely, uh, squamous cell carcinoma can develop within the sites of HS. So that is also something important to keep in mind. With that in mind, Nick, let's talk a little bit more about, you know, how do we recognize it? How do we diagnose it? So, you know, first of all, what even causes HS? Yeah, I wish that there was a good answer for this. Um, And again, I'm not a dermatologist, but there is a proposal kind of of a mechanism of how hydradenitis superativa shows up. So follicular occlusion, remember the follicles that lead to like your hair cells popping up in those epocrine sweat glands is the most likely mechanism. Again, follicular occlusion. This predisposes you to those initial development of hydradenitis superativa lesions. Subsequently, there may be ductal keratinocyte proliferation that goes on to cause hyperkeratosis and plugging and the cycle kind of just goes on and on and on. 
Then ultimately there's follicular rupture and that causes the formation of sinus tracts. We know that there are some associated factors with hydradenitis separativa though that predispose folks to developing it. That includes genetics, mechanical stress, things like pressure or friction in those kind of apocrine sweat gland areas that Faye mentioned earlier. Obesity is a possible risk factor, but HS is also present in those without obesity. Smoking has a pretty strong correlation with HS, and the majority of affected patients are smokers. And then finally, hormonal influences may be at play here as well, um, and some people may experience perimenstrual flares of their HS. Faye, when you hear kind of the story of someone with HS or examine someone with HS, what do you see? Right. So usually, you know, in terms of like a history and physical, people will probably talk to you about um, having these types of lesions in pretty typical places and having this history of relapse and chronicity. So they'll probably tell you first that they have like an inflammatory nodule, something that started as a single painful um, deep-seated lesion um, in one of those areas that we talked about. Usually, you know, when someone comes in in this first stage and they show you that one lesion, it's pretty hard to diagnose them with hydradenitis reparativa. Um, and most of the time, they're misdiagnosed because it just looks like a boil or, um, to put it in a more medical term, frunculosis, right? So you have like some type of infection of just like one follicle and that's what you diagnose them with. But after some time, that nodule can actually progress to form an abscess, and then it may open to the skin surface spontaneously. And pain usually will improve after drainage, just as you would imagine. It relieves pressure um, specifically there. Some people may also come and talk to you about how you know they have all of these lesions, and then finally they develop what are sinus tracts, which are basically skin tunnels. So these um, inflammatory nodules essentially start to connect below the skin. This can happen if HS is persistent for months or years, um, and Sometimes these sinus tracts can spontaneously open and release, you know, bloodstains, seropurulent, malodorous discharge at some time. As you can imagine, this is very embarrassing for patients and can also cause a lot of psychological distress for them. A lot of times people feel like they're not doing a good enough job cleaning or bathing, um, and that is what's actually leading to these issues, which, you know, we should reassure our patients that that's not the case. And finally, you can also get things like comedones and finally scarring, which is where healed areas um, of these sinus tracts or of these inflammatory nodules eventually heal. They'll have these individual pitted acneiform scars, and they can be atrophic or keloidal. And again, these can be quite disfiguring and very distressing to patients. A lot of times when someone comes to you with these, it's really difficult, like I said, to diagnose them initially with HS. And so you may also want to keep on the differential, things like folliculitis, acne vulgaris, um, even pilonidal disease if it's in that specific area. And sometimes some people may actually have Crohn's disease and this is just their skin manifestation of their Crohn. Overall, HS is diagnosed with a history and a physical exam. Lab studies usually aren't needed, but if you're uncertain, you can certainly do a skin biopsy, though again, this is not always required. And sometimes for people who have long-standing HS, um, you may want to do that skin biopsy to rule out squamous cell carcinoma. So that's how we recognize and diagnose HS. Nick, can you talk to us a little bit about this Hurley staging system? Yeah, so the Hurley staging system for HS divides patients into three disease severity groups. 
Stage one of the Hurley system refers to just abscess formation, either single or multiple abscesses that don't have sinus tracts and don't have the characteristic scarring. Stage two moves a little further beyond that and refers to recurrent abscesses now with sinus tracts and scarring um, and can be single or multiple widely separated lesions. Stage three is kind of what, you know, if you've seen textbook pictures of really bad hydradenitis is probably what you think of where there's diffuse or almost, almost diffuse involvement um, or multiple interconnected sinus tracts and abscesses that go along an entire area. Um, and this is really the, again, disfiguring stage of hydradenitis. Um, with hydradenitis superativa, certainly, again, as you mentioned, Faye, we want to diagnose it as early as we can and start treating. Um, so let's talk about that next. How do we manage it and when is it over our heads as OBGYNs? I think, you know, we should break this down into kind of our goals for treatment, who are we going to treat, and then, you know, based on the stage um, that they have on the Hurley stage, uh, what do we do? So first of all, in terms of goals, we want to reduce formation of new areas of sinus tracts and scarring. We, of course, want to treat the existing lesions and reduce symptoms, specifically pain, um, for our patients, and then also minimize the psychological morbidity of this disease, right? So for every patient, no matter who comes to you with HS, you should give them education and psychological support if needed. So remind them that this is a chronic disease, just like something like high blood pressure or diabetes. It's not due to poor hygiene. And even if they have a family member who also has HS, the course can be different from person to person. So what works for one person may not work for the next. You also want to make sure that they get set up with wound care if necessary and to teach them the correct skincare technique. So making sure that they're not wearing super tight clothing, you know, making sure that they're taking care of the skin areas and the areas that are open, um, etc. And of course, you want to discuss pain management. These areas can be very, very painful. Most of the time, we would prescribe things like anti-inflammatories, so like Tylenol or NSAIDs, but sometimes this may not be enough, and you may have to actually um, prescribe opioid analgesia to your patients, and so sometimes that may involve some type of pain contract. And finally, you know, you want to treat the associated symptoms and conditions and encourage things like smoking cessation, weight loss, things like that if you feel like those are associated with their disease course. Let's first talk about stage one, Nick. So this is kind of our, our initial stage of the Hurley staging system for HS. What should we do to help these patients? Yeah, so again, stage one, just as a quick reminder, was just that single or occasionally multiple abscess formation without those sinus tracts and scarring. And so the idea here is you want to reduce the burden of disease before we get to multiple scars or any sinus tracts being formed. Topical clindamycin is the mainstay of therapy here. Clinda can reduce inflammatory lesions, and generally you'll apply this twice a day to the affected areas. If topical therapy fails, then oral therapy is the next thing up. Um, and so the first line here in oral therapy tends to be oral tetracyclines, something like 100 milligrams of doxycycline daily or twice daily. If oral therapy achieves good disease control, your patient can stop and then move back to topical clindamycin for maintenance. Now, if antibiotics, tetracyclines are not cutting it, there are other oral therapies that are available. 
Some of those things include anti-androgenic agents, things like spironolactone and finasteride. So those can be used, but certainly um, you shouldn't give those to a patient if there's a possibility the patient is pregnant. Same with tetracycline for that matter. Oral contraceptives may also be of benefit in patients not looking to achieve pregnancy. There's small studies that show improvement on OCPs. And then metformin is also something that can be considered probably because of its promotion of weight loss, um, which can help with hydradenitics for Ativa. Now, for some patients, they're going to come see you rather than for control for acute symptomatic lesions. Um, and these are kind of just like good acute skin care things that you would recommend for patients. So warm compresses. And then if it does need like something that's truly like an acute debridement, IND, something like that, you probably want to refer out for this because then we're starting to think about intralesional steroid injections, needing to unroof the area over the nodule. Um, and an IND is not typically advised for routine treatments, but because it can promote scarring. So if you're thinking about trying to need to do anything sort of procedure-like to one of these, probably recommend out to your dermatologist. What about stage two and stage three, Faye, where we do have some of the scarring coming on? For stage two and stage three, absolutely, you can try everything that you just talked about, Nick. Um, but a lot of times, if it's not working, then this is when you should probably, again, refer your patients out to your dermatologists, um, you know, your surgeons, essentially, things like that. So um, if they don't achieve good control with antibiotics, metformin, antiandrogenic therapy, they may actually require medications like oral retinoids, dapsone, and even biologics. And I don't know about you, Nick, but I have never prescribed oral retinoids, dapsone, or biologics in my life, so I definitely not feel comfortable doing that. And we're not going to go into, into detail because, again, we're OBGYNs. We don't prescribe this regularly. But we just want to mention this and to let you know that this is available. So, again, oral retinoids may only have a limited benefit. And then, really, you know, the biologics um, are approved, actually. So, adalimumab is FDA-approved for moderate to severe HS. Um, and for even acute symptomatic lesions, um, if your intralesional uh, corticosteroid injections aren't working or other things aren't working, the patients may even take oral glucocorticoids. And then for very severe refractory disease where you've tried everything and the patients are still in a lot of pain, still unable to manage their symptoms and outbreaks, then they may actually need to be referred to a surgeon who specializes in this area for a wide excision. So they can have extensive surgical intervention which really can get to the greatest likelihood for resolution of active inflammation, but realize that you know these are often very sensitive areas, like in the um, perineal area, the buttocks, right, and the intertriginous areas. So this can sometimes be disfiguring and also involve evolve a prolonged recovery time. You can imagine if someone is having a huge you know um, area excised from the axilla, that's a part where we're always moving a lot, and it may be difficult to find enough skin coverage again after you've excised those areas to put it back together. You know, some other therapies that I have heard about that may be helpful include things like laser, but we're not really going to talk about that here either. Really, what are our take-home messages about HS, Nick? As we've discussed, HS can be a tough disease to manage, but it is manageable. Um, and it is one that OBGYN should know about because we're likely to see it again in those very early stages where it is the most manageable. Um, HS can cause significant disfigurement, um, and in particular, HS can lead to a lot of psychological difficulties, as Faye had mentioned earlier, 
because of like the perception that this may be associated with poor hygiene more than anything else, which it is not. Treatment can range from symptom management alone to medical and surgical things, um, but early diagnosis and treatment is important and beneficial because it's much easier to treat in stage one than in stage three disease. And that stage three disease is really difficult and may require multidisciplinary treatment approaches. Consider help from your dermatology colleagues, your surgical colleagues, whether that's general surgery, dermatologists, GYN oncologists even, wound care specialists, psychiatrists, in terms of taking care of patients, particularly with advanced hydradenitis or TBI. All right, so that does it for this week. Once again, this is Nick. This is Faye. And this has been Creogs Over Coffee. If you like this episode or any of our other episodes, go ahead and go on to iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or any of your other podcatchers and give us a five-star rating and review. Find us online on Twitter at Creogs Over Coffee 1, on Facebook and Instagram at Creogs Over Coffee, or if you love the show, head on over to our Patreon, patreon.com slash Coffee. Send us some love. We'll send you some swag. We have show notes for this show and every other one of our shows. Go ahead and go onto our website at www.creogsovercoffee.com. If you have a correction for this episode, any of our previous episodes, or just want to say hi, email us, creogsovercoffee at gmail.com. <laughs>